This is Kevin Van Hensenrick, and you're listening to WithoutYourHead.com. And if you lift the lid of the basket, you die. of decapitation without your head i'm nasty neil i'm joined by jim hickok the director and writer of soft matter which is an amazing film and we'll talk about here momentarily how are you doing good i'm doing good how are you doing neil i'm good thank you i'm good thanks and uh this is a movie that that i really dig it's i would all say soft matter is definitely not for everybody but uh yeah. for the right person i think they're they're gonna love the movie uh, like I, actually, I guess for people who aren't familiar, like uh, what's it about? And uh, sorry for talking over you. No, 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 it's fine. Um, it is. I mean, the the quick synopsis that I give is that it's about two uh, young graffiti artists who break into what they think is an abandoned hospice facility uh, to to stage a, a site specific art show, and then get in there and discover that some scientists have been. Uh, using the space to try to create human immortality by crossbreeding people with biologically immortal uh, animals. And in the process, they've accidentally angered an ancient sea god who shows up to try to murder everyone with lightning. Mm-hmm. And I think I think the plot line isn't really what people will be like, oh, well, that sounds good or bad. It's really how the movie is made. <laughs> in, uh, you know, that's... Uh... Sure. I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. That plot's like a little unwieldy. It's maybe one step more than than you need uh, for for a tight log line. But it, um, yeah, it's definitely not. I think this movie's more icing than cake, probably. <laughs> so along those lines, when I said it's not for for everyone, 
Um, was there any time when you're making the movie that uh, that any? I assume well, it's an independent movie. Maybe no one, uh, you know, tells you what to do or know what to do. But does anyone ever say to tone down like the weirdness or or any like the special effects and whatnot? Uh, I mean, there were a couple things that I was trying to do that weren't possible uh, uh-huh. in the time and budget that we had. We shot we shot this whole movie in uh, eleven days, um, and it was very oh, wow. cheap. And so there were a couple things where I, you know, there's, um, there's a, there's a room full of ghosts in the movie that was originally supposed to be a room full of water. Uh, and we were going to try to actually fill a room with water and that for logistical reasons, we weren't able, able to do. Uh, and I'm happy with the ghosts. I like, I like the way the ghosts came out, but, um, that's, that's the biggest one I can think of. We were, we were also gonna, we set several things on fire in the movie and, uh, I don't know. You you probably can't tell, but the last thing, the last thing that happens in the whole film, um, is us actually setting off the the fire sprinklers, um, and then, and then the fire department showed up, and uh, th- there was a the the day, <laughs> the day that we were shooting us burning things, unbeknownst to us, there was a fire convention down the street, so a bunch of fire chiefs showed up and. And a bunch of firemen showed up, and they got frustrated with us, and they had trouble turning the sprinkler system off. They got pretty grumpy, and they uh, they they didn't actually, but started. They tried to charge us with um, with arson, but it didn't stick, which is great because that's expensive. Uh, but we wanted to set more things on fire. Wait, I wanted have a bunch of stuff set on fire. There's a giant TV that plays like a small role. It's, it's sort of in the background of several shots that I really wanted to set the middle of that on fire. There were, there were a few other things that was, those were the only big logistical things that, that got shut down. Yeah. So, uh, what are the, some of the movies or TV shows that you like that kind of inspire, uh, your way of movie making? Sure. I, I would say that I didn't. I didn't really get super stoked. I grew up, you know, watching uh, Ghostbusters and you know, sort of movies that were in theaters. Um, but I didn't really get super stoked on movies until I started learning about uh, like experimental filmmaking, and that's sort of what got me got me really into it. And and just sort of the the spirit of trying to find the boundaries of of what a film can do and still be a film, and that actually carried me into into discovering uh you know more like psychotronic um b-grade movies uh because i feel like in in b movies there's a lot of space for filmmakers to take risks that they can't in in higher budget films Mm -hmm. and so a lot of my big influences are things like uh frank hadenlotter or like uh the film street trash uh that kind of stuff really really kind of gets me going yeah yeah the basket case movies are amazing well actually all had a lot of stuff incredible and incredible uh, yeah yeah and Stuart got, gordon you, you, oh another one yeah yeah the, the, even that's that's still like shock i went to see um reanimator not that long ago at a midnight uh, showing and i'd seen it a million times but <laughs> uh my friend that i was going with had not seen it before and uh she was like <laughs> like kind of shocked at some of the scenes and i was like just wait just wait and you know, when, when the head's going between the legs. <laughs> yeah. So I, I, it was like watching for the first time for me again, because, like, just seeing her reaction was uh, was pretty amazing. That's the best. 
it's funny you're sort of living in the in the trashier film world and then uh, and then talking to friends who mostly watch more mainstream films you know and and realizing that the things that you're excited about about movies are things that most people don't know right. exist in movies or are a little <laughs> upset by <laughs> exactly yeah yeah it's a, it's a little off topic but uh it's really weird because um uh kevin van hentendrick from the basket case films uh he's now a stone carver in like this small town uh, in the in the cat's and he and every summer That's he has like, a free yeah it's amazing so every, we had him on the show and every summer he does he has like a free training class for like a week and so like well we have to go and learn stone carve with kevin van hentendrick and no one there knows <laughs> him from the movies they just know him as like the local what? stone carver <laughs> i'm sure that's why he lives there <laughs> yeah probably so of course i i carved uh, belial on a on a, on a stone Wait, did you sh- did you show up and were you like I know who you are and he was like oh one of you <laughs> yeah well, well we had him on the show first and so he was very cool oh, okay. but uh yeah. <laughs> it was weird though because no one else around it's like uh, it was a really wide what uh, ra- uh, range of ages it was like you know little kids and then like you know elderly people and none of them knew you know who he was besides the the friend that's amazing the stone carver <laughs> yeah but, uh, another movie when I'm watching. Yeah, for like more recent stuff when I was watching stuff that I thought about when I was watching uh, Soft Matter. Uh, so if like fans out there like like maybe the Greasy Strangler or Tim and Eric, I think has uh, had kind of a similar vibe. Yeah, yeah, we've gotten a couple of comparisons to Greasy Strangler and uh, and Turbo Kid. Um, That's a good. One. Yeah, sort of uh, a brighter, more unhinged <laughs> movies is sort of what we're getting compared to, yeah. which is great. That's that's a world I I long to live in. Mm-hmm. Do you have uh, what are some of the favorite scenes people have? Because just what I was watching, I've been writing down notes of lines that I liked and just little, you know, weird visual things. There's so many. <laughs> um, I can tell you my my favorite is uh, is roughly the same as Jaws three. That's my favorite moment in the whole <laughs> movie. I think. Uh, uh, um, I mean, watching it with audiences, it's it's funny. They they react at different things than I expect them to. The animated sequences tend to get a big response, which is funny because I always forget about those. Um, mm-hmm. I'm trying to think what else gets a... Uh, when the Sea God sort of first appears, um, that's a big one too, when there's a sort of a face in the mop bucket and, and the dance sequence people respond mm-hmm. to. That's another, much like the movie as a whole, the, the Mr. Sax's dance breakdown is a thing that people either are like, oh, that's incredible, or they're like, why does that go on for so long? <laughs> uh, yeah, that's, that's usually the response I get for what, if I recommend certain, but like, like Greasy Strangler, for example. When I first watched it, I was like, oh my god. <laughs> so, And I would tell people to watch it, and I'd either get, you know, they'd be just like me and into it, or they'd just be like, you know, why the hell do you, why, why would I want to watch that? Or they, I had to turn it off. Or, it's either complete <laughs> hatred or, or love. There's nobody. It's like yeah, yeah, exactly. It's all right, you know. <laughs> and I, I speaking because you mentioned you know the you know it's not doesn't cost a lot. So um, is that fun in a way then to to think of like uh, uh, creative ways to do the visuals in the movie, like the different animations and the different effects? Oh yeah, yeah, I love that. I I'm like pretty committed to trying to do things 
uh, old school. I, you know, like CG, I think is very smart and good used in certain ways, but I don't think, I don't think that a CG, you know, I, I've watched several huge budget movies in the last several weeks and, you know, you'll see like a, a CG bull or something like an animal that we have that exists and it'll walk around right. the set and you're like, sure. that's clearly made by computers. <laughs> Um, but I think it's great at like, you know, if you like need uh, dust to fill a space, I think CG is awesome for that. And so, you know, there's some CG in this movie, but most of it's pretty invisible and everything that you see is pretty, pretty much hand done. Uh, so a lot of it is practical on set, which, which matters a lot to me. I like to, you know, our creature, our sea god is, it's just makeup on a dude. Uh, and, you know, there's a lot of puppet creatures and stuff. And then the lightning is all hand-drawn. We took a lot of references from uh, <laughs> like Bill and Ted and Big Trouble in Little China. Uh, sort of that era of lightning is our, is our main sort of yeah. inspiration for that. So that I, stuff is all oh. exciting and fun. And then the like the Sea God backstory I had just written in the script. I was like, eh, it's animated out of trash. <laughs> and then I just, because <laughs> I figured that would be cheap. And then we sort of figured out what that actually meant. Uh, in post when we got around to animating it. <laughs> what was that process like to do that? That was, it was super fun. It was, we turned my whole living room into a little, uh, I'm going to say studio, but really it was like, um, like a, you know, like an eighth grade uh, uh, art classroom. It was me and three of my friends slash collaborators. And we just sort of, you know, we built, we took, we took, uh, what do you call them, action figures and repainted them and reshaped pieces of clay. And we made all those backdrop pieces out of cardboard and um, we made the shadow puppets and stuff. And then we would sort of capture everything individually. So a lot of that, some of it is stop motion and a lot of it is just sort of uh, things we shot and then and then composited together. And I, <laughs> I composited it all in Final Cut 7 because I'm not smart about computers uh and then and then ran it on the vhs tape and back so that it would look like it was on vhs tape oh that's pretty cool actually uh, a little known fact <laughs> actually about this show because we uh we actually predate podcasts we started in 2005 and the first i think six episodes <laughs> my former host because at the time there was like not really there was no programs to record all this you know now you can find any any sites sure. that do podcasts sure, sure. whatever and he used to, uh, the first, I think, six shows, we recorded two VHS, and then he would rip the audio off the VHS, and then we would we would upload the, the WAV file, the WMA file before the MP3, and it was a, it was a big, long hassle. <laughs> yeah, that sounds like a huge pain, but also a beautiful. Uh -huh. That's the funny thing about stuff like that, where it's, there are a few times that we go to VHS in this movie, and all of them I... I took, I, we made video and then I transferred it to VHS and then transferred it back to digital, which, uh -huh. you know, there are plugins and stuff that you can do that, that look pretty good. And honestly, almost no one is going to be able to tell the difference. But to me, I'm like, no, it matters. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I agree with that. I, I do. Catch, yeah. uh, well, I'm maybe not the typical, you know, movie watch whatever, but I think you can, <laughs> you can tell when a movie just does have like the, uh, like the you know the the default uh, the default like yeah. you know lines and scratches <laughs> to make them look old you're like hey, yeah it's, you know they just put it through you I, know they just hit a I button. think a lot of I think a lot of us who probably your audience is is made up of people who would who would be able to tell and might be mad. 
but I do a lot of film going. I'll go see movies with my friends. I'm trying to think what I saw recently where the aspect ratio changed throughout the movie and my friends didn't even notice that it was happening. And I was, uh-huh. I was like, what's going on here? You know, it's like, I feel like there's a lot of, there's a lot of things that if you're not super literate in film, you just sort of accept as feelings that you're having. Uh-huh. Right. So, uh, uh, I have. I'm just going to read some of the notes I have here. Turn off the old man. That's one of my uh, favorite quotes. Quotes in the movie. <laughs> <laughs> and then, uh, I'll just I also because I want to spoil I, the movie. Go on. <laughs> I nothing. I'm a pretty firm believer. I mean, I know this is uh, this is an unpopular opinion, but I'm a pretty firm believer that if you can spoil a movie, it was never a good movie to begin with. I don't. I'm not. I'm. I don't care about spoilers. Spoilers. Yeah. Um, I guess it is. A, think, it would be an odd movie to spoil. It's, uh, yeah. 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 I don't know what you would do that would spoil. I mean, especially this is, you know, it follows a pretty standard uh, horror movie format, right? When people are like, what happens in the movie? It's like everyone dies except one person. So there you go. <laughs> <laughs> right. right. If, if that's so going to ruin the movie for you, then like maybe <laughs> horror isn't your genre. Okay, yeah. As uh, someone uh, two years ago, I spent a lot of time in the hospital. Got very sick. Well, I won't go into that. But I did like that. Uh, that the, you have someone drinking out of a urinal from the hospital. It's like this purple <laughs> goop out of it. <laughs> oh, I'm so glad you caught that. <laughs> I thought that was so funny on set, and no one who I've no one who has seen it has been like, "Isn't that for peeing into?" <laughs> <laughs> we we super lucked into that. So I actually. I wrote the movie for that location because I do most of my work as a DP and I had been, I had shot uh, maybe like six months to a year before this, I shot uh, like a beautiful touching short film about a young woman with her aging Chinese father, uh, no Taiwanese father. um, And them sort of dealing with, him getting older and her wanting to put him in a home and, and him being like, well, traditionally in our culture, we, you know, we move in with you anyway. It's like a beautiful short film about people and their feelings. And we had been scouting places to be a nursing home and we scouted this place. And it was obviously, it's like, you know, and railings had been knocked off the wall and there were piles of dirt in the hallways. And we were like, and it, and it looks like a, it doesn't look, even if you cleaned it up, like it would have been for people with money. It looks like it's for, sort of underserved populations. Um, And so we were like, oh, there's no way this will work for this. And the guy who was showing it to us, who owned it, was like, but, you know, what you should really do is make a horror movie here. And I was like, challenge accepted. So I wrote the movie for for that space, and it was slotted to be torn down, which is why we, I mean, that and money is why we did it so fast. So it was sort of from starting to write to to having an edited film was – I want to say four months. It was, it was super fast. Uh, but we got super lucky because the building was slated to be torn down. It was actually an old hospice and it was still full of stuff. So like all those beds, um, all the medical equipment, all of that, that little portable urinal, all that stuff was just in there. Also a fair amount of the set dressing is actually from people who presumably passed away in that facility. It, It was a weird dark space to be in. Yeah, I was going to ask, did it have, like, any type of... Is there, like, a vibe to that? Like, uh, oh, yeah, it was, in, like, uh, it was you know, spooky. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it was it was definitely haunted. 
and it was definitely unpleasant to be in. And there was a lot of mildew. Half my half my uh, crew was wearing was wearing breather masks the whole time. Um, we uh, there there. So the the day before we started production, the the city shut down all the utilities. They had been just running without having nobody was paying for them. But I think maybe because nobody was using them, there was no draw. The city hadn't bothered to shut them down, and then we were in there doing pre-production. And the day before, they shut off the water, they shut off the electricity, um, and we we were like, "Oh, that's going to be an issue." And the guy who plays uh, the shut off the old man guy, that old man, mm-hmm. uh, was actually a dude. He he works for the guy who owned the building oh. or worked at the time, <laughs> uh, and, and was sort of our like handler in the space. Uh-huh. And was awesome, and he he showed up. Uh, so if you can p- imagine that particular dude sort of running around and being like, "Oh man, oh I'll take care of this, I'll take care of this," and he disappeared outside. We were working in the building just with windows open for light, and suddenly half the lights came back on, and he walked into the building just drenched in sweat and holding a melted screwdriver, <laughs> and was like, "I shunted it back together. Don't worry about it. Don't worry about it." Um, he had gotten the electricity, the emergency power back on, so, so half the electricity was on, but still the water didn't work, and uh, it was it was not a pleasant building to be in. <laughs> I thought you were going to say like he was like an old patient that just didn't wouldn't leave, was still there. <laughs> oh, I wish. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, do you believe in ghosts? Actually, because you said you was definitely haunted. I, you know, I believe in them in a way where I want them to be real. Uh, but I also believe in them in a way where, they also, I don't know, you know, who knows ghosts. I'm not not a dude for specifics, but I will say there was one night that we, we wrapped sh- shooting for the day and it was stormy. And I thought, oh, there's thunder and lightning happening. I should run back into the building after we've finished and grab the camera and just get some shots of stormy nighttime. Cause you know, that's awesome to cut into anything. And there are parts of the movie. Like if when the sea God first appeared, we cut outside and there was actual lightning happening behind the building. That'd be great to have. So I, I, I drove back after we'd finished and I walked around and <laughs> because the building was shut down, we had to board it up every night. So we were, screwing boards over there were boards over all the windows which we didn't really take down uh except for the one scene where where in scene they take down a window and and take down a board and smash a window and it was the day we had shot that and i walked around back and that window we hadn't boarded it back up at the end of the day so i was like oh i'll go in i'll reboard this i'll get the screwdriver reboard this window i'll get the camera and i took the boards off the off the door to get inside and i walked in and um, and I heard like thumpy footsteps and, and weird buzzing noises. And I sort of looked down the like wet, dark hallway and I couldn't see where they were coming from. And I, they sort of sounded like they were coming in from one of the rooms. And I walked into the room and they sort of moved back out into the hallway. Uh, and I was like, I don't, I don't need to be in here anymore. And I, and I boarded up the window as fast as I thought. First, I, I went outside and sat in my car and I texted all the producers and I was like, will you come help me board this window? Because I don't want to be in this building. And none of them responded. <laughs> and then I went in and I reported the window and I just ran. I didn't get the shot because I was yeah. terrified. It, it was definitely <laughs> full of something. Mm-hmm. Besides the, uh, the, the melted screwdriver, was there anything uh, else that was like uh, maybe <laughs> dangerous while, while you're filming? Well, there was, so there was a series of, I don't think we made it for a single day without having some kind of minor disaster. 
because the electricity and everything got shut off the day before we started. And then day one, it started storming pretty bad. It was storming for a lot of the production. And the the whoever owned the building had been piling up dirt in the driveway. So as soon as it started raining, all the water started rushing in to the side door. Uh, and half of the building flooded on our first day. So there's a bunch of stuff that we shot. Uh, the stuff where... There's a shot where the grist, the dude scientist, is washing dishes and stuff. And while we were shooting that, the building was flooding. And uh, we had him walking on sort of small plastic crates so that he wouldn't be stepping in the water because we had electrical cables running through it. That stuff was a little terrifying. Um, yeah. I'm trying to think <laughs> what else awful. happened. It was awful. There were There was just like stuff truly fell apart every day. <laughs> so how, how about like uh, casting the movie? Was it, um, uh, I don't know, are, are some of the people like friends of yours or how, how did the casting go? They, casting was, uh, was awesome. It was, uh, I, I am very bad at casting. I prefer to mostly work with people who I've worked with before and who I like working with. Uh, but this was, this was probably a half and a half. I had worked with both of the scientists before and both of the art critics. I hadn't worked with either of the graffiti artists before. I found them. We, we cast a wide net. They both came in from, I want to say Ruby, the the person who plays Kish, the, the main lady. I think she came in from Houston, but she lives in LA now. And uh, Devin, the guy, the tagger haircut, I think also came in from Houston or Dallas. Uh, I think he might be around here now, though. Um, but yeah, they were they were both they were both new to me. I was looking for, uh, I don't know, I for for haircut. I really needed someone with sort of a with a level of innocence um, mm-hmm. that that was hard to find. Uh, but I thought Devin, I think it was his first film, and I thought he did a really good job. Yeah. I liked everyone in the movie, and the, uh, I was a big fan of uh, of, of Doctor Gris. Yeah, he's great, that guy, Hal. I've worked with him a bunch of times yeah. on various things. And he he brought a... Um, I sort of, when I was writing that character, I was imagining him as, as a little sad sackier than he was, and Hal brought this very uh, like Mel Brooksy energy <laughs> to the role. That, um, that There were a few times that I was like, let's dial it back a little. But overall, I feel like he, he brought the character to a different level than I, than I had been imagining it. It was It's great. Yeah. Uh, I'll actually be uh, interviewing uh, Ruby uh, later on tonight uh, from the movie. So, uh, what was she like to work with? And uh, was it always in the script? You're interviewing the Kish? Mustache? Yeah. <laughs> um, she she was awesome. She's uh, she's like very dedicated and was super down. I she definitely you know we did the interviews and I was like I'm looking for someone who is going to be cool but also. Um, be, she's like very supportive of haircut for no reason, but you know, it's just like they're friends, but it's not, I don't know. She, she's like really trying to help them out. Um, and also she has to be kind of badass. Uh, and also she has a mustache. Right. And, and, um, and Ruby showed up and was like just fully on board, uh, with all of it and was cool to like take bumps. She's X X army i want to say um and was like yeah like throw me throw me wherever i don't i don't care set me on fire way anything is fine which was awesome because you know we're also in the movie we're like setting off fire extinguishers indoors which i don't know if you've done that but it's a terrible experience um i like i like made her do some real dumb stuff 
she was fully down for all of it, which was great. Yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, I don't remember exactly where the mustache came from. It's in the script. I was, uh, I, you know, I think it might be there is, there's a, there's a medium famous uh, graffiti artist lady named Kashink who, who wears a mustache. And I feel like that was probably part of my inspiration, but I also definitely, um, if you, if you go back through my catalog of short films, I definitely put mustaches on women. Sometimes I just, I think I just like it aesthetically. <laughs> well, that's very interesting. Uh, that was kind of a weird question. Cause you said, uh, she, that she, that she, uh, uh, took bumps. Uh, I always, uh, I'm a wrestling fan, so I always, uh, consider a wrestling terminology <laughs> taking bumps, but is that also in movies? Take the, the you know, for, for sons? <laughs> no, I just, I just also have a wrestling fan. I, I also, right, I also right. refer to the movie world as kayfabe and nobody knows what I'm talking about, <laughs> but it's, it's a lot of the wrestling terminology just sort of makes sense in the film world. <laughs> I agree a hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah, oddly enough, I do a, a pro wrestling podcast on Tuesdays and then the, the horror one on, on Thursdays. Usually. That's awesome. I did. I had initially tried to, if you, um, if you read through the script, I, the, the fight scene at the end, I left very vague. Um, and I, but I had imagined it being pretty different than it is. Um, but I had left it very vague, but except for, I had written in one, uh, I had her doing like a like a like a splash off a table. I wrote in like one or two wrestling moves because <laughs> <laughs> I really, for me, a thing that I really enjoy is when movies that aren't about wrestling throw in a wrestling move and a fight. Um, uh huh. Yeah, that's <laughs> so I was trying to do that, but, a lot, but like over the no, last few years, mm-hmm. I know <laughs> it's great. <laughs> uh, but but my fight choreographers were like, no no no, it's going to be very stiff. <laughs> I was like, okay. Uh-huh. Yeah, because it seems like I'll be watching a TV show and like a guy will like do a clothesline or drop an elbow, and I'm like, that's not like a yeah. real like fighting thing. <laughs> but, yeah, uh, but like someone will do a stunner on someone, and you're like, no. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. All right. Exactly. So uh, just real quick, how long have you been a wrestling fan? Uh, I mean, to varying degrees since I was a child. Sure. You know, I grew up in sort of the in the in the macho man take the snake era um i was like sort of passive when i when i moved to austin i sort of reinvigorated myself there's actually a pretty vibrant i know this is super off topic there's a pretty vibrant indie scene in austin we have three or four pretty big promotions so i i go to i go to local wrestling pretty often uh that's cool by me so uh, by the way, Bruno San Martino <laughs> passed away today, so rest in peace, to, uh, Bruno. Oh, living legend. Well, living legend. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. As you said, you watched the movie with uh, audiences. So did you? Uh, did you play at festivals? We uh, no. I've watched with some small, small local audiences. Um, uh-huh. We are starting our festival outreach now. I think we have one in Chicago that I should have looked up when it is before we started talking. Um, but we're playing at one festival in Chicago for sure. And there are a couple that we're still out uh, for consideration at, but we, we honestly haven't done a huge festival push because we already have distribution. <laughs> right, right, right. Yeah. So I, you know, it's like, we know that on May and I also don't know if festivals would be pumped about this, but on May 2022, 20, we have a street date. So we're going to be hitting, a few online platforms and a video rental store, you know, so we're, it's like, we're, I don't know. I, I could be doing a bigger festival push, but I haven't been. Mm-hmm. 
well, it does make sense because a lot of times it is to uh, to to find distribution. And I probably should have mentioned that to yeah. begin with that it is coming on on May twenty second. You'll be able to get it on <laughs> uh, video on demand. You know which like yeah. platforms or the typical ones. So, you know, Again, uh, I sh- I should have done better research on this. I think we're we're on Xbox and Amazon and. I somebody had mentioned something called Voodoo, but I don't know what that is. But not to undercut them in any way, I'm sure they're awesome because sure. they want my movie. Uh, and I I just heard that we're gonna be um, we're gonna be at Family Video, which is now really? that Blockbuster is defunct, the biggest video yeah. rental chain in the U.S. I don't know I don't know if we're gonna be in all of them. I feel like they have hundreds of stores, so probably not. But we'll be in at least some of those. Yeah, I I, I don't have any video stores around me, unfortunately. But uh, it's def- definitely not what I grew up watching. No, I think I uh, just like the red box at the at the, uh, at the grocery store. <laughs> That's about it. Sure, which is something. It's now we yeah. we I I feel very lucky in Austin. We also have two super vibrant video stores. So we have I Love and Vulcan, and they're both great. Also, you're in Texas. Yeah, yeah I'm in I'm in Austin. Uh, all, right, all right. I'll be in Dallas in a few weeks for Texas Frightmare. I don't know if you, if it's, for Frightmare? Right on. Yeah. I was just yeah. thinking about trying to get out there. I'm not sure if I can because I have a reading like a day before, but sure. I, might, I might try to get out there for that. Yeah. The thing about Texas, I, you know, it's if something's in Massachusetts, that's where I am. It's like it's not going to be that far sure. wherever it is. <laughs> but Texas, it's yeah. like. Uh, just because you're from Texas don't mean you're like you know you're near anything. Oh, so I yeah. remember the first time we went to Frightmare, <laughs> we were gonna go. I forget where some place that they filmed something for Texas Chainsaw Massacre, but it was like a four hour drive. <laughs> you know the the one. That, <laughs> it was like if I drove to New York or something. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I like the score in the movie too. The uh, uh, who 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 did the score? Like the you know the synth sound, which is definitely making that is. He's a, a good friend of mine who lives in Colorado, um, and I don't see him as often as as, as is implied by good friend. I wish I saw him more. But uh, he's uh, his name is Kevin Phillip Williams. He'd never done a movie before, but he uh, he has a few musical projects, and one of them one of them uh, is called Yoga Lunch, and it sounds much like most of the score. <laughs> so. Uh, I was like, I'm going to, when I was editing, I sort of needed temp tracks and I pulled a few of his yoga lunch tracks and I emailed them and I was like, yo, can I use some of these yoga lunch tracks in this thing? And also, would you be comfortable making more of this kind of music for a bunch of it? And he was like, yeah, great. So he did, he did everything that's sort of, because uh, my goal was to find that was sort of halfway between um, uh, soap opera and uh and like a goblin kind of, or like a John Carpenter, you know? Mm-hmm. And, and for me, that sort of fit the bill. It's sort of like electronic and droney, but very crunchy and it fills a lot of space, uh, orally. And so I got pretty excited about it and he, yeah, he agreed and did the whole thing. And so there's actually, there's also, there's probably four songs in there that are from bands that he and I had years ago when we, when we lived close to each other. Um, so there's a bunch of songs that are him and me, and then and then all the score score is is him. But he'd never done a movie before. Oh, that's cool. Uh, I, I yeah. assume you did you did you have the song um, the musical track when Mr. Sax is dancing? Because it does seem like he's dancing. I, to the music that's playing. That that was written for the movie. Uh, 
by a, a local composer um, in Austin uh, who, yeah, he, he composed that. I needed, because I had been, my original goal was to try to get uh, this song Supernature by a, by like a disco artist named Cerrone, um, but it was it was impossibly expensive. Um, it was cheaper to, to contract a local guy to, to write a new disco song for me. <laughs> uh-huh. It totally worked, though. What, what, what's Mr. Sachs made out of? He is uh, trash bags and tape and some kind of gross slime. I honestly don't know what was in that slime. I think it had a lot of glue in it. <laughs> something that was laying around. And the I office. think about shooting. Yeah, 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 exactly. And I, and I was thinking about shooting in a condemned building is that we didn't have to take good care of it. So we definitely <laughs> just left slime everywhere and, you know, and burned parts of it and, and we re- and smashed holes in things. It was, that is a blast. <laughs> uh, 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 was the actor in that suit hot? I, you know, you don't think maybe trash bag is being hot, but oh. I think it would probably, because you wouldn't be able to breathe through it at all. Yeah, no, I, you can't breathe through it. It was, uh, it was summertime in Texas and he's dancing around in a bunch of trash bags. He was so sweaty. It was, it was like, you know, an eighties movie. Sometimes you see people wearing those sweatsuits and then they're just like pouring water. He was like that. It was terrible. There are a few set pictures of him with just his head poking out and he's wearing goggles underneath it and he's just drenched and, and he looks so sad and I feel so bad for him. But he's, uh-huh. <laughs> such a champ for doing that he came out from uh from new orleans to play that role <laughs> very cool <laughs> i'm sure he he he's he, he's he's very proud of doing so i mean i think he would yeah yes absolutely he's he's a super good guy who i've worked with before and and is he's sort of in his early stages of acting and would probably be happier if his face were on the screen because uh, he's very handsome and charming and good at acting. But I was like, how about instead of doing real acting, you come out, wrap yourself up in trash bags and dance for me. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so what, what is uh, some of your previous stuff that we could see? I have uh, some shorts are on my on my Vimeo page or on my webpage, if you just go to my webpage, which is www.jimhickox.com, uh, and Hickox is spelled with a CKC in the middle, like you wouldn't guess. Uh, it's I have some old, some really old stuff that's like dumb, just me on a green screen uh, playing around, and then there's some more recent stuff where there's like a short documentary I made, and I have a couple other short horror things. There's a thing called True Will on there that's sort of a bunch of 20-ish year olds go out into the woods and summon a demon and then stab each other to death. Uh-huh. Um, my my sort of my most successful film pr- previously is another short called Slow Creep, which isn't online yet, but I, it ought to be within the next few weeks, I think. Uh, that's a, It's about a, a teenage girl renting a haunted VHS tape. It's it's totally pretty similar to this one. Uh, that sounds good to me. Well, what, are you working on anything currently? I have a script right now that uh, that is about <laughs> uh, a young woman who finds a middle aged guy's body behind a dumpster and then um, cuts it open and starts wearing it around and like living his middle aged man life. 
um, that we uh, <laughs> right now I have the Austin Film Society is is hosting a reading in a couple of weeks that I'm gearing up for, and then we're uh, trying to figure out how to how to find money for it. So it's it's a it's a someday movie that that we're cranking on. Mm-hmm. Well, that sounds sounds, sounds interesting. I see. Uh, Stan Stinson is also in your uh, Slow Creep movie. Oh yeah, yeah. He I. I love Sam. He's he's amazing. That guy. He he plays the body of the sea monster in this movie, right. um, and he's been in every movie I've made since I met him. I think um, he's just he's. I feel like a thing that I that I like to work with in my movies is sort of building an absurd world. You know, like a sort of a crazy sure. world and space it's little universe. that the characters yeah. in. Yeah. But then I like for the for the characters to sort of to like really live in that world to not to not be like oh what a goofy world I'm in but to be like oh this is the real world and it's where I exist. Um, and I feel like I feel like Sam I, Sam is particularly gifted at being able to live completely in really strange worlds. Yeah, I think that's always funnier if uh, if they play kind yeah. of, you know, sort of straight like you know. And- this is the set. Yeah, exactly. This is the world of it. Yeah, so, uh, I mean, I feel like I feel like a lot of times if if the characters are like well, whatever, then it's like I feel like the people I'm watching think they're better than the movie that I'm watching, and I'm like, I don't. Then I don't. I have a hard time caring. <laughs> yeah, I agree, hundred percent. So uh, when you did watch it with um uh, with with some people, what did they think of uh, the movie itself, and what did they, and what did they think of like uh, the, the effects? I so I've I've played it to some local folks and some of them have been people who are into this kind of movie and some of them have been uh, people who love me and mm-hmm. <laughs> people who love me tend to <laughs> tend to fall down more on the side of like oh thank you for sharing that with me I don't understand why most of those things happened um, mm-hmm. people who who are more into that kind of this kind of like you know more psychotronic films. Have I, I mean the response I've heard, and obviously that's a little bit slanted always because it's whatever people were willing to say to my face. Um, has been, <laughs> it's been pretty positive. People have been uh, excited about, uh, you know, people. I think people who are excited about sort of like taking risks or making more interesting choices in films uh, appreciate things like like a long dance sequence or like the. Um, yeah, you know, uh, a lot, a lot of things that are going on this where it's just kind of like throwing. I'm like, now here is a brief song about a dead turtle, you know. And <laughs> people who are who are willing to truck with that, I think, are are of a special breed. And yeah. uh, and the ones I've showed it to have, have been pretty on board. <laughs> it's where I think uh, it, when that does happen, recent stuff. I hate to keep saying greasy strangler, but greasy strangler is a lot of scenes <laughs> that, that go on like way too long. Oh, but way too it long. Taught, it, yeah, it re- yeah, and it really works. I, I think would always work to make me laugh, but I think it really works yeah. today because so many things are just you know there's like a cut every six seconds or three seconds, and oh yeah, you know everything's yeah. so fast. And then when you see something like that, it really it's very humorous. Yeah, well, yeah, because if you're watching a movie from the '70s and a scene goes on a little too long, you're like, ah, they had a different sensibility. But if you're watching a thing from last year and a scene goes on way too long, you're like, they made this choice. <laughs> Exactly. Did you edit soft? Exactly. Did you edit soft matter yourself? I, 
I edited it until I got stuck with a couple of parts, and then I sent it to uh, an editor, this woman named Zhuang Qian, who's who I've worked with on some things before, who I think is great. And she, there are a couple of parts I was having troubles with that she she cut up, and then and then I sort of reintegrated. So I did a lot of it. <laughs> mm-hmm. I always wonder about so that part at the end. Yeah, I always think mm-hmm. it would be hard to edit your own. I always thought. It, Think it would be hard to edit your mm. own stuff because I would think you're you get like, like uh, connected to something maybe just because you have like a memory of, of filming it as opposed to oh for sure. maybe you wouldn't be able to able to like this know exactly if it really works in the movie because you have your uh, you're really close to the material for sure I I think I'm pretty good at being like no I don't care <laughs> um, <laughs> and really just lopping out scenes if I think that they're slowing it down. Um, sometimes I need feedback to tell me, you know, there's some things and there are a few where like, maybe I should have like that dance sequence <laughs> was the one that half people I sent it to were like, this should be half as long. And I was like, no, it should not. Uh, maybe yeah. I'm wrong. I don't know. Um, I, but I think yeah, I'm I usually pretty good at that. The, uh, <laughs> the, um, the thing that I, that makes it maybe easier and maybe also sometimes harder that I do is I, I shoot almost no coverage. Uh, when, <laughs> when I'm directing, I will, I'll shoot things from, you know, a lot of times it's like people are eating a meal. You'll shoot like a wide for the whole conversation and then uh, two closes for the whole conversation. And then second takes on things. And a lot of times I'll be like, all right, we're shooting a wide for the first three sentences. And then I'm just shooting this person's close when they say these two sentences. And you know what I mean? I will shoot and I'll shoot things once if they seem like they went fine the first time. I, I shoot almost. So when I'm editing the movie, there aren't a lot of choices to make left, usually. Uh-huh. Is that because you, you have it in your head uh, how you want to edit it while you're, while you're filming it? Yeah, basically, once a thing is written, I feel like I know pretty much how I want it to play. And there are a couple of times when I've been like, oh, I wish there's one moment in this movie where I wish I had another angle on it. Um, and there's like one or two moments in other movies I've made where I've been like, oh, I wish I had one other thing. But, but on the whole, it hasn't really bitten me too hard that I just don't bother to do that. And it's faster and I don't have any money. So, so that's what I do. I also, this is the first movie that I've directed that I didn't shoot on film. So that's also part of it is that, you know, when you're, when you're rolling film, it's like every second is, is dollars. Um, so I'm used to sort of just being as conservative as possible. Yeah. Well, as someone who did shoot on film, because I hear this a lot from uh, from people who want to make movies or, or starting out, they always want to shoot on film. What advice would you give to them? Sure. Uh, I mean, I think that that is a good one is to try to is to try to be very conservative, try to shoot things. Oh, also definitely on video sets. And I again, I do most of my work as a DP, so I, I'm on a lot of sets and I'm watching a lot of people direct and a lot of times people don't really do rehearsal takes they'll sort of set up and then they'll 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 just start shooting takes and i would say a good thing to do is to not roll the camera until you can run through a take and be happy with everything um you know so because you're gonna there's gonna be two takes where the actor misses a mark and then there's gonna be a take where the cameraman hasn't figured out what he's doing um and there's gonna be a take where like you know, something hasn't been taped to the wall properly. And I would say run everything until everything is great and then shoot one, which I think a lot of people are afraid they're going to lose some kind of mystical magic if they do that. But it's also uh, much cheaper. 
that's a big one for me. I also, I think, I think a little bit of it is, um, I like to consider myself sort of a, sort of an optimist of nihilist, uh, in that, in that I, I, for the most part, I'm like, everything doesn't matter and will be fine. Um, and I think a little bit of that helps because I think a lot of people go into their movies and they're very precious about everything, even while they're on set and they, they need things to be correct. And they're afraid that if a thing doesn't come out perfectly, it'll, it'll mess them up in the edit. And I think a little bit of being like, uh, all of this needs to be good. Uh, and I need to let, it needs to be as close to my vision as it can be. Um, but if it can't be that, that's okay. And then if one of these scenes doesn't come together, I'm going to cut it out of the movie and that's going to be fine. I think a little bit of that attitude is helpful, especially if you're shooting on film, on, on film on the cheap or honestly, anyway, on the cheap. Um, Cause one of the things that, that money gets you is a sense of security that everything will be what you want. Uh, and, and all of your data and, and images will be protected. You know, that's, it's just not a thing you can guarantee if you're being very cheap. Mm-hmm. And uh, Wild Eye releasing is a uh, you know a releasing film. Well, what, what do you think of their um, their poster art? I assume they made the poster art. Yeah, they did. They did the poster art in the trailer. Um, I think I think that they are they're definitely the main goal of of their materials. I think is to try to get it out to a wide audience. Um, my fear is always, and this is just me coming from who where I am. My fear is always that we're going to scare away some of the people who are into weirder, grimier things. Cause it is a very, uh, sort of like clean, uh, uh, poppy looking poster. And I want something that's like scribbled and, and screams at you. Um, so I think it's, I think it, uh, I think that poster is, is it is what it needs to be. Um, I think if I designed a poster, it would be much, uh, less approachable. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Which, which oddly enough, like you said, it could maybe, um, you know, it's less approachable. It could appeal to uh, the audience that, that would like the movie. So I guess it's... Uh, yeah, exactly. that's, that's my fear always, is that I'm like, there are 200 people out there in the country who are going to be really excited about this movie, and <laughs> and I want them to look at a poster and be like, oh, this is a movie I'm going to be excited about, and not be like, well, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Which honestly, uh, when I started watching the movie, and right away, like the the opening, is so weird, and then the dripping, uh, like hand drawn t- title, like I was like, this, I love, I, you know, I love this movie already. So <laughs> it got me into it immediately. So uh, thank you. Five twenty-two. That's, yeah, that's important because. Go on, sir. <laughs> I was just saying it's important that it grabs you kind of immediately because then there's. 15 minutes of what is functionally soap opera before before the kids roll up. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> and I, I also I just want to say uh, um, Jason, who does our um, our written uh, reviews yeah. on the website, he was uh, he was uh, he gave a, re- a really great review, and uh, he, and he's very yeah, honest. I loved it. And, uh, oh, cool. <laughs> and so he told me it's like Neilis is one I know you're gonna really like. So I was like, oh, okay. So, uh, so yeah, he, he really got me in, into it, and uh, well, he built it up for me, and it, and, and it lived up to uh, to hit to his height. Oh, good! That's amazing to hear. Yeah. So, uh, five twenty-two. It's gonna come. I hope people check. I do think a lot of people listen to the show, especially will uh, will dig it. Sure. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I feel like your audience is probably uh, the audience I want to to have see the movie. <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> and uh, did, did you keep any of the things like uh, like the sock puppet or uh, like crab claw hands? I, you know, a, a bunch of stuff ended up in my storage unit, and I'm not even sure what's there anymore. I know a lot of the uh, miniatures from the animation are in there, and a few props are in there. A lot of that stuff sort of disappeared with my production designer. Not that he's gone, he's, he's still in <laughs> right. but, but he's a little bit of a ghost. <laughs> right, like, oh, I really need this sock puppet. Years from now, yeah. I'm going to sell it on eBay. Really. Yeah, exactly. I hope so. I hope we're popular yeah, enough sure. to sell props on eBay. Yeah. <laughs> I, I hope so as well. Well, I really fun not talking to you. You're welcome back on the show anytime. Fantastic. Thank you for, thank you for giving me a call. This is Big Ronnie, and you're listening to without your head. And if you don't enjoy this, you're making a big mistake. From ancient terrors to the search for modern-day conspiracies, the tomb of Nick Cage is the new sound in horror rock. Uncover the mystery of old-world horror for the new world order on iTunes, Amazon, and more. we should have The Tomb of Nick Cage. They come at night, mostly. 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 Find out on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. The Tomb of Nick Cage. They come at night. Welcome to the Station of Decapitation Without Your Head. I'm Nasty Neil. I'm joined by Ruby Lee Dove the Second, who is uh, from it? Soft Matter, which comes out the 22nd here of May 22nd. Yeah, so well, uh, you know that's actually unusual for uh, a female to have the last name the second. I don't know why. You know why it that's is. unusual? It's... Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's it, it's very unusual, but you know what? I'll take it and just be glad that I'm a little different, eh? Yeah, definitely. In a way, it seems sexist that there isn't more seconds. Right, right. Yeah, but it's yeah, okay. It's, we it's like the only guys it. are good enough to carry. It. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so anyway, uh, soft matter, which I really liked, and I think it's a movie. Uh, it's definitely not going to be made for everybody. I think it's either going to be people like me who really dig it, or probably people who who aren't into it. I don't think there'll be too many people who are like, eh, it's all right. But so, uh, how did you get involved in uh, soft matter? Oh my! So the casting director that they had on board um, reached out to me. They had, they found me, came across my profile. I was living in Houston at the time because we filmed in Austin. Um, they reached out. I came out and auditioned. I made a few trips for you know for the callback and the audition. And you know it was it was just a very basic um, just audition process. It was nothing fancy about it. So I I totally earned it. They weren't just like here play Kish, um, <laughs> but it was. <laughs> It, yeah, it was it was definitely fun. It's definitely an experience from the audition to production. It was all just uh, an amazing experience. Yeah, what was it about uh, uh, soft matter that interested you? Gosh, Kish, truly, it was the the character of Kish because she's like this intelligent, quirky, strong, kind of unorthodox female. So. She just her personality is really what threw me off. And then who doesn't like to, you know, play games with monsters and and very sure. old hospices? You know, <laughs> like why would you pass that up? <laughs> exactly. I mean, that's that's what I do on the weekends, and I'm not even you know getting paid for it or anything. Right. <laughs> right. 
So uh, now, obviously, you could tell that the movie is uh, is quirky, like you said. But did you know, like, how weird it would be just from the script? You know, with obviously with all the the weird uh, special effects and whatnot. You know what? I I didn't. I I came up, you know, with my own mind and my own imagination of what I thought it would be. But getting on set, it was even it was even quirkier than what I imagined. From how amazing the monster is made up to even the other actors. Shout out to them because. You know, they made it, they, they make, everybody's character makes other characters stand out because they're all so different in their yeah. own ways. They're very well written. Yeah, and then you have a good contrast because you have a very kind of over the top, uh, Hal Schneider as, as Dr. Grist, and then uh, you can have more grounded characters, even though they're weird in their own way. So it's a, it's a nice uh, contrast of, of characters. Right, right. So, uh, how about the mustache? Was that in the script that you'd have a mustache? <laughs> it was totally in the script, and you know what? That's what won me over. I was like, I get to wear a mustache the entire production. <laughs> Count me in. Uh-huh. <laughs> Is yes, it something that was totally written in? Yeah. Is this something you've kept since? Ever, oh man, uh, no. You know, I think I'll draw a mustache on for the for the night. <laughs> You know, every every now and then, you know, when I'm home alone, I just, you know, whip that bad boy on, on and snap some selfies. <laughs> Man, no, but uh, Jim was, oh, Jim well, was a genius in her mustache. Yeah, yeah, it's just it's and it's never brought up at all, which I like. It's just there, but it's not like part of the story, so I think it right. makes it stand out more. Exactly, exactly. It's like, yeah, that's kiss. She, that's just what she does. Yeah, and, and then like, after a while, in the, and then after a while in the movie, it's just there. You don't really notice it. It's just you know that's her. You you get used to it. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, where, I need a where did you like film? Yeah. No. I... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, where where did you film like the graffiti stuff? Because it looks like there's like a castle in the background. Oh my goodness! So there's a really dope place in Austin, and I really hate that I can't remember the exact name. But there's a really dope place where um, there's just, like, people can come and just draw graffiti. So you can see graffiti there one week, and the next week you can come back and see completely new graffiti. It's just like a free space of art. Everybody just comes and draws over everybody's graffiti, but it's not offensive. It's just beautiful. And it's, Mm. um, so it was, yeah, it was just really amazing. So the stuff that you see in the film, if you were to go there, you probably won't even see that same art. So it's Mm. it's just, that's how amazing it is. That's awesome because there's actually a thing like that in boston well in uh, cambridge near boston where, where i'm and there's it's a graffiti alley it's the same thing it's much smaller than uh than this one but it's just an alley alleyway and it's the same thing though people come and they can draw whatever they want and so you go there you know one day and then you come back you know a week later and there may be some things you remember but totally different things the next time and it's very cool it is really cool talk about freedom of expression like that's uh that's really amazing yeah. So, uh, uh, Devin, who plays a haircut, who, uh, what do you think the relationship between, uh, between, uh, Gish and, and, and haircut is? Cause it's never really, you know, defined. You know what? I think, I think haircut doesn't really have many friends and Kish mm-hmm. has always been like the networker, you know, she, she's, she, she knows people, which is why she's able to call people up. So she's just like, she, Kish is the friend of the friendless. So, and Devin is the friendless. And they're just really good friends. You know, there's never any, like, you know, weird stuff going on. Like, they're really just really dope friends. 
Which is nice because yeah, you don't see that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Did you have uh, good chemistry with him uh, uh, when you're filming? Oh goodness, yes. Oh man, he's 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 so amazing. Um, and he even went on to like do some really awesome stuff on like National Geographic afterwards. But um, oh, really? yeah, we yeah we had we had really great chemistry. We ended up finding out that we knew a lot of the same people, so it was like truly. I felt like I was on set with my brother. Like yeah. it truly felt that way. That's cool. I assume that would help, you know, when you're acting, you know, as friends to uh, to have that weird connection. Yeah. Well, so uh, have you kept you said he went on to do some. Uh, do you have you kept in contact with him? Yeah, I have. I, I do keep him. You know, we don't speak every day, but we do check mm-hmm. in on one another and see how, you know, how we're doing. Um, and he's doing really great. He just moved uh, out to L.A. I've been out here for a little while now. He just moved out here. He he did. Um, he's in Long Road Home. I don't know if I can shout that out on here, but um, Long Road Home, I believe it's it's either National Geographic or it's the History Channel. Gosh, I should know these things. Tisk tisk, Ruby. But yeah, he he's long, the Long Road Home though. He has a really amazing uh, role. He's playing a soldier, and so you guys should check him out in that because he's a very great actor. Yeah, that's very cool. Uh, I'm just I'm like I'm gonna cheat and look it up here. Long road home. Uh, yes, uh, there you go. <laughs> National Geographic Channel. Yes, you were correct. Oh, I was right the first time. Yes. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, what was uh, Jim like uh, the first time you met him, the director, the writer and director? Oh man, he's quirky, funny. You know what I love about Jim is that he says what he wants and he means it. You know, he's like, you know. She's weird, you know, but it, it's, he doesn't just say like she's weird. Um, he's just, I don't know, he's just quirky. And he sits in a genre of his own in the way he writes, in the way he directs. He's, he's in a genre of its own, and it's so amazing because I've never met anybody like Jim. And I would totally work with him a million times again. Oh, very cool. That's good to hear. I just talked to him, and he, I thought he was, he was very, uh, very cool guy. And like I said, I really like the, I really like soft matters. I, I like, a, you know, something totally different. Uh, I kind of like the Greasy Strangler's totally different. I don't want to compare the two movies, but uh, it's right up my alley. I like just something uh, completely uh, unique in and in, in of itself. Yeah, yeah, it really, really is. It was definitely he, fun to do. He he mentioned that you, uh, you, you took your own bumps, which is a wrestling term, but it meant like, uh, like your own stunts, I believe. Oh my gosh, I did. I even hit my head. Yeah, um, we had like stunt coordinators come out, but we definitely did everything the rolling, the flipping, the bumping. I like went to like the ER at one point because I hit my head. It wasn't bad. Yeah, I was totally fine though. Yeah, totally fine. They like made me. I hit my head and I was like, no, guys, I'm fine. Let's keep filming. And they were like, no, Ruby, you're going to the ER. Like, you have to go just, you know, just for safety. But no, it was. And I'd never done that before, you know, done like, you know, stunts in like super intense fighting scenes. You know, I'm prior military, so getting like rough and dirty wasn't foreign to me. But just being able to do it in that aspect was amazing. That's a very cool. Uh, I guess I just wanted to make sure he didn't have a concussion is probably why. But that's good. Right, that's right. Good. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, they, so, they uh, definitely. Uh, so where did you, I heard that you filmed this in like a, an old uh, like hospice hospital that they were about to tear down? Yes, let's let's make sure we describe the hospice properly though. The hospice was haunted. <laughs> we filmed it in a haunted hospice. 
Mm-hmm. Yes. That's probably hard uh, to say, uh, like, ten times fast, haunted hospice. Right? Haunted hospice. Blah, yeah. Blah, blah, blah. yeah. <laughs> that, uh, but it, it was, you know, like, um, even, like, halfway through the shoot, ironically, I'm losing my voice now because I've been doing a lot of uh, voice work, but um, just ironically, halfway through the shoot, I, like, lost my voice just because of how like icky it felt in the place every day after leaving said I just felt so gross and uh-huh. you know halfway possessed by the by the demon ghost in the building it was just it was a it was an experience but I definitely do it again though I'll say that much yeah so are you someone who believes in ghosts oh heck yeah most definitely yeah yeah no doubt about that one I'm not yeah, even it it's interesting because Jim said he's not really a guy who believes in ghosts, but he said the same thing that it was haunted, and there there was definitely you know some some kind of vibe and some something there in the hospice. Yeah, like stuff happened that you just couldn't like deny. Like uh, we had like the scene like where the TV's in there. I think like one day it just like turned on by itself, and it's just like like there's no denying that. And then apparently one night the place just started flooding, but there we don't we didn't have running water in the building. Uh-huh. So, yeah, so it was just like, um, like you, you can't, like, there's only so much you can deny when you, before you can just say, okay, yeah, there's something unnatural going on here. Yeah, that's definitely, that's definitely weird. It's definitely out there. Yeah. <laughs> so did you actually, right. uh, uh, did, was it dangerous at all to shoot in there? I know you bumped your head, but, uh, was there anything else that was, uh, dangerous? Um, you know what? I, I think so, but it wasn't um, horrible. We lit fires in the building, you know. That's always dangerous <laughs> when yeah. you're in there. Um, the floors were very slippery because, like I said, it flooded. Um, and so floors were very, very slippery. I'm pretty sure there was, like, mold and all the stuff that's in really old buildings that, you know, uh-huh. kills people. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> I'm pretty sure some of that was in there. Um, but yeah, so it was definitely dangerous and maybe I'm crazy because it was like an adrenaline rush type of dangerous, not like where like, I don't feel safe on set. It was like, mm-hmm. dude, I'm going to go do this another day. Yeah. yeah. It's like, if, it seems like something you do as a kid, you, you find an abandoned building and you go in there and, and you play, you know, pretty much. And that's all Kish is. Kish is just a big kid. Like if we really look at like, she's, she's stealing stuff from the store she's you know playing around in hospices with fire extinguishers like she's just a big kid so i really just got to be a kid for a few days yeah yeah i guess that's good to know that they are tearing the place down so it doesn't really matter like uh if you mess anything up it's, it's just right. ripped apart and, yeah. that that made it more so, fun it was like uh, cool uh, let's break this wall down <laughs> yeah and plus you would you, you'd actually be helping out you'd save some people some work uh, they're gonna tear it down. You know what? Exactly, and that's what I'm. That's what I was there for. You know, to help with the demolition. <laughs> all right. So, did you know about like all like the weird animation and stop motion and puppets and all these things uh, before you saw the finished movie? You know what? No, I didn't. Um, and when I saw it, I was pleasantly pleased. But I, I like had no clue how amazing it was gonna turn out. Um, yeah. I didn't even know about. I didn't even know about haircut song, you know. <laughs> oh, uh, but the, when his turtle dies, which is a, right, <laughs> it's an amazing exactly. scene. 
Yes, that's, that's from the mind of Jim. <laughs> yeah, so uh, so how, how long was it from when you finished it uh, until it was edited and you saw the finished movie? Oh, goodness. A few months. I don't know. I can't remember exactly. I did so much in between. But it was definitely a few months, like, where it was like, um, hey, guys, how's the movie coming along? Because it felt like it was taking forever, but it was definitely worth the wait. Yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, the the dance scene with Mr. Sachs, uh, what, what what was that like uh, for, for you? <laughs> gross. It was gross. Um, they wrapped this man, this poor man, danced for like hours. It wrapped in trash bags and this glop that our amazing makeup and wardrobe artist created. Uh, so having to like jump on, like, you know, get my arms and stuff around him, it was, it was a, that was a nasty day, so to say. <laughs> yeah. And you saw the hair and it's all kinky. So getting that stuff out of my hair, wasn't fun either. Mm. No, probably. Do you know what that was? I don't think Jim himself knew what was, what the, what the goop was on Mr. Six. You know what? Nobody knows what it was. Like they literally <laughs> like created it. Like we, uh, we can't even recreate it. It was a true creation. Even the stuff on the um the claw lady, um that was in the hospital bed, like all of her stuff. We just had amazing <laughs> like we had such an amazing team on set. Like that's how amazing it was. We're just like I don't know how you're doing this, but it's really awesome. <laughs> yeah, I just thought maybe it was just something they found laying around the hospital. They're like, hey, this looks goofy. Throw it on them. <laughs> You know what? You might be on to something. <laughs> so, how about Hal Schneider uh, as the Doctor Grist, who I thought was uh, was great in the movie? What was he like to work with? Oh man, so so awesome, so humble. Like, so he was just very quiet. Like, how he is on the set. Obviously, he's not as you know weird, but he is. He's a he was a very like just kind and. He's a giver when it comes to, like, his knowledge. So he was very, you know, anytime you wanted to know something, you know, he was very um, giving in that aspect. Such a sweet, sweet person. And I was so blessed to be able to meet someone, you know, just of that of that character. She was really great to be around. Yeah. Did, uh, has any of your family or friends seen uh, Soft Matter yet? Not yet. I really wish they could. My husband saw it when we saw, like, the, the private, you know, one together my husband saw it and he loved it he absolutely loved it but i can't wait for everybody else to see it because the reactions are going to be interesting because like you say either people are going to like it or they're going to be like what what did i just watch <laughs> right yeah i don't I, I just don't see any like middle ground it's either you know what one right. way or the other uh, right exactly <laughs> i know it's gonna have a couple festival uh at least there's one in chicago he said coming up um, do you know if you're going to be there or not? You know what? I don't know, but I am hoping to make it out there once I get all the details and stuff hashed out. Um, that would definitely be something that I just might show up to. Yeah, definitely. So, uh, you said that you're doing uh, voiceover work. Uh, what kind of stuff are you working on now? Well, voice work. I wish I was doing voiceover work. I oh, I'm sorry. Like a lot of no, no worries. I've been filming a lot of commercials. I do a lot of stuff for the VA and like USO um, because as a veteran, they like to hire veterans for their commercials, which is really amazing. Um, so I do a lot of a lot of that. I just finished filming a short from my me and my husband's production company. 
So I've just been really just staying busy, just doing what I love to do, which is being in front of that camera. What's the short about? Oh, goodness. So the short is called High Q. And it's about, not to give away too much, but it's about a drug that has, like, really, really good side effects. Like, it makes children want us, or children, it makes students actually want to do positive things. But it has some interesting side effects, and I just happen to be the dealer. Hmm. So well, that sounds interesting. It'll be, it is very interesting. I don't want to give away too much, because I don't even know. Yeah, especially if it's a short. <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> right. Was that someone yelling? In the background, they're like, don't say anything about it. I thought I heard someone. Oh, nah, they <laughs> they might. I, no, but not this time. You're probably hearing what I should be thinking in my mind. That's probably what that is. <laughs> Fair enough. So, uh, uh, actually, you said you have a production company with uh, with your husband. Uh, uh, is that how you guys met uh, uh, through mo- through movies? We did meet through movies. We met on a set um, years ago, years ago. Um, and then ever since then, we've just been passionately creating together. And it draws us closer. It's so amazing. We own Life After Life films. Um, our last film, Blood and Water, has currently won 11 awards in film festivals. Um, we oh, finished wow. it. Yeah, we finished it about a year and a half ago. I may be a little off with my timing, but yeah, it's been it's been it. Our latest award was a Remy, um, which is really a blessing and something that we didn't even expect. We just kind of were throwing spaghetti against the wall, so to say, and just submitting it wherever we could. And yeah, we've just been really blessed. It's amazing. Mm-hmm. So how how can you uh, follow uh, your, your uh, movies online? Yeah, you can either follow me at Queen Queen Ruby Lee, or you can follow the production company, which is Life After Life Films. Or if you want to keep up with my husband, he's Mister Dot Alex West, and that's all on Instagram. All right, very cool. And so, uh, five twenty-two uh, May twenty-second, Soft Matter is coming out. Uh, <clears throat> it's going to be on video and demand. Uh, have you seen the Have you seen the movie poster yet? The, the poster art, and what, what do you think of it? Oh, it's amazing. Most people would be like, I want to be on the poster. But I'm like, no, this monster is going to raise questions. Like, mm-hmm. what's going on? Um, and no, I love it. I absolutely love the poster. I love the trailer. I'm just, I'm very proud of this project. Like, I don't even know if I can use excited, but I'm just very proud of the project. Because we went through some crap to get this created. And just to see it in its finished state is like, it's it's like a breath of fresh air. Like it was worth it, you know. Yeah, no, I I really like this stuff. I like a weirder, you know, weird quirky kind of stuff. I like it. To me, it kind of reminded me of uh, Tim and Eric, the TV show, uh, as a movie. But uh, I, I really and our and our uh, movie critic on our website, uh, Jason on the Without Your Head page, uh, he gave it four out of five, which is he's very high for him. He's he's very tough on movies, and uh, he, he nice. really liked it a lot. Awesome. Well, I'm appreciative. I'm very appreciative. I read a lot of the different reviews and even just the stuff people were saying about Kish and the other actors. I was just like, wow, they, it was like, they like us. They really like us. <laughs> so I'm just, I'm grateful. I'm so grateful. Cool. Well, it's been a lot of fun to talk to you, Ruby. Thank you. It's been a blast. Thank you so much for having me. 
You're welcome. And uh, I appreciate being on. And I hope everyone checks out Soft Matter because not just because you're here. I really like the movie. <laughs> yes. Good, good. Thank uh-huh. you again. You yeah. have, a, have a great evening. You as well. Thank you.